0: Um, but I think it's, um, it's nice to talk to you guys, even though I'm so distant away, but I feel close in heart uh, to each and every one of you, uh, and I look forward to seeing you guys live next week. Uh, and today, we want to talk about charity. Now, whenever we talk about charity, I feel like everyone's defenses are up. You know, it's like when you, when you speak, uh, when someone comes to you and approaches you for charity, your mind automatically races to try to calculate how you could possibly get out with the minimal damage. So I think it's nice that I'm, you know, I'm here in Canada, uh, far away, and you have to worry. I'm not coming after you, you know. So we can have the discussion, uh, you know, without any uh, danger of an appeal of any sort that's coming next week. Um, so. We know that charity is very is a very important part of Jewish life. You know, we're, we have a synagogue, we have an organization, we have charity. Uh, you know, federations and Jewish schools and supporting Israel with Israel bonds. So much of our Jewish life uh, revolves around charity. You know, these institutions uh, can only exist uh, if we have charity, and even the temple the times of the temple. You know they they had to do sacrifices and build a temple, and you want to make a gold menorah. Gold is expensive, John, no? It's expensive, right? Even back in the day. Uh, if it's expensive, well, how do you buy it? You, you have to get the people, the good, kind-hearted people of the Jewish community uh, to sponsor. So uh, charity is is central to Jewish life, and it always has been. Um, and I think that the the important question, the, the, the one important question that, that I have and then I want to maybe tackle today is, you know, there's a really a problem, you know, because we are being told that we should give, and we give the money that we work hard to, to earn, and essentially we get nothing in return. You know, if you donate money to a cause, you personally earn nothing, uh, nothing tangible. And, you know, like the first rule of economics is that people aren't going to spend hard, their hard-earned money on something unless they, unless they gain some sort of utility out of it. Uh, you know, what utility do we gain out of our charity? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm putting something in, I'm investing, and I get no return. Uh, why would anyone in their right mind, uh, you know, put their hard earned money in such an investment where they're guaranteed no result? And I want to point out that this will be a recurring theme. A lot of people like giving charity in a way that they do indeed get a return. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that they get their name in a building. You know, if you get the uh, the 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 Goldman Institute of Art, you know, then you get something good out of it. So it seems like people are more amenable to donate in a way that they actually receive something in return in the recognition or the honor or the good feeling that comes along with everyone knowing that you're super wealthy. Uh, and that's kind of interesting if we want to examine it that... It's easier to give charity when you're not giving and you're getting as well, you know. Which is which is, by the way, one of the one of the tactics that we use uh, as fundraising entities is to give, make it easier for someone to give when they also get something tangible in return. But at the core of charity, and we'll see this uh, demonstrated in several ways later on, at the core, it's about giving and not getting anything back. Decidedly so. The best form of charity is when you give anonymously and you don't know who you're giving to and you don't know, the guy who you give to doesn't know who he got from. That's the best, that's the purest form of charity where you're actually not getting anything. So why would someone do it? What's the, what can I take out of the experience? Like, how does it impact my life when I give and don't get? That's the question I want to I wanna address. So I want to talk a little bit about the, you know, the importance of, of tzedakah, of charity, uh, in Jewish life and philosophy. And I'll start with a few uh, examples of what our, our sages of blessed memory uh, have said regarding this important mitzvah. So I'll start with Uh This is from the Talmud. The Talmud says, in Tractate Bava Basra, which is a tractate that deals primarily with the laws of property, property laws, like my property, your property, how do I not, you know, selling property, acquiring property, uh, if there's a, a dispute over property ownership, etc. But in it, there's an entire section that talks about charity. And uh, it says as follows, this is a statement, Quote, Giving charity is a mitzvah that is equal to all mitzvahs combined. There's something so special about charity, about tzedakah, That in in a certain element, it is representative of the entire Torah. If you were to take a scale, you put the entire Torah on one side, you put charity on the other side, in in, in some measure, in some realm, they're equal. Whoa, that obviously tells us there's something about the Torah that is manifest, that is represented uh, so completely by charity. So what's so special about charity? Item number one. Um, Item number two. Uh, the Rambam, Maimonides, our favorite philosopher and halachist, uh, he writes in The Laws of Charity, he writes that someone has to be more careful with the mitzvah of charity than any other mitzvah in the world. Once again, we see some importance is, is designated for charity above all. Above all, uh, And lastly, well not lastly, but and uh, additionally, uh, we find once again the Talmud as follows, and this will be this will be a little surprising, I think. Talmud says, if someone refrains from giving charity, it's akin to someone who commits idolatry. If I don't give charity, it's as if I went to a Buddhist temple and bow down to a to an idol. Now that that's that's a little bit of a stretch, you know. If I go to synagogue and I uh, I study Jewish philosophy and I'm uh, I'm not an atheist and I I'm, I'm I'm not a polytheist I'm not a pagan I believe in the almighty god I just am a little bit more miserly I'm a little bit more hesitant to give my money to some cause uh you know uh, who who says this is going to the right cause or uh I have to worry about my family. And what about the kids 529s? What about my 401? I got to first worry about that. Is that so bad? Is that akin to idolatry? How? And, and, and not only that, like idolatry is something that affects man's relationship with God. Right? That's the ultimate repudiation. When So you either believe in God or you don't believe in God and you believe in some other powers. That's idolatry. Charity, uh, on one hand, versus being miserly, on the other hand, those are seemingly items between men and man. I see someone who has a need. I see an institution that has a need. I see uh, some important thing that has to be done. And I say, you know what? I'm not going to help. I'm not going to give sadaka." So I, that, that seems to be encroaching on my relationship between other men. Not between man and God. So how could the Talmud say that when someone does 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 not give charity, someone withholds from giving charity, it's as if they committed idolatry? Doesn't seem to make any sense. I want to talk a little bit now about uh, the importance of charity and see if we could use this to try to maybe answer some of the, some of the questions that we that we that we that we raise. Let's just quickly go over the questions. Um, number one, why would someone give charity to begin with? You gain, gain nothing out of it. Number two, how is charity equal to the entire Torah combined? What's so important about charity that makes it representative of the Torah at large? Why is it so important to be careful, like Maimonides tells us? And lastly, how is it that someone who does not give did not give charity, it's as if they commit idolatry, the worst of all sins? So that's what happens when someone doesn't give charity. Well, what happens when someone does give charity? So we find as follows. Back to the Talmud. And by the way, when I, when I quote snippets from the Talmud, there's so much more. I'm just taking like the highlights. Uh, it says so much about charity. It's, it's remarkable. And I was reading it. It, was, it, was, it really inspired me. Uh, it says as follows. Tzedakah is great, for it hastens the redemption. When we talk about big picture, Jewish life, and where is it all heading to, and what's its plan? We spoke about Messiah and what that means. We spoke about Olam Aban, redemption, and, and 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 going back to Israel with cessation of the dead. All those things that are demonstrative of a job well done for the Jewish people. When the Almighty says, okay Jews, you did it. You fulfilled your mission, now we can move on to the next phase of existence. Says the Talmud, Tzedakah hastens the redemption. Think about the power, the power of tzedakah that it hastens the redemption. And the question is, obviously, why? Why maybe Torah study is so important. We gave 23 reasons why we studied Torah. Or 17, I don't remember where it was when we did uh, this session. We talk about uh, other things. Prayer is important. Tzedakah, why charity? Why is that hastening the redemption? And if you'll say, you know what, redemption, I'm not worried. Let the Jewish community worry about that. Me, I have my own personal skin to, uh, 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 to, to save. The Talmud also says... Uh, well, this is actually a verse in in Proverbs, Tzedakah Patzil Mimavet, which means Tzedakah saves from death. We have doctors over here, and doctors also contribute to that, but as we know, in Judaism, we have this coexistence of the spiritual and the physical, and we find that if you want to save yourself from death, of course, it means you should take care of your health, as well, but spiritually, you can also do things that save yourself from death. And what is that? The verse says, Tzedakah Tatsil Mimavet. And we even say it on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. One of the high points of the prayer, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, is we say, Teshuvah, Tefillah, and Tzedakah, they save us from death. They, 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 they cast away the, uh, the evil decree. And that's sourced with this uh, verse in the Bible. So the Torah is telling us, the Almighty is telling us, you want to save yourself from death? So nowadays, everyone's like, okay, we eat no GMOs, uh, vaccinations, um, organic. I do my exercise, my cardio. I do my yearly physical. What about yourself? what about spiritually? Tzedakah, Tatsil Me You have a promise from the Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, to tell you that if you want to save yourself from death, you give tzedakah. Think about that. And This is the Almighty. He's is the one who has the keys to life and death. What a remarkable uh, insight. And and how valuable is that? And when I give charity, I'm contributing to my health savings account. I'm, I'm contributing to uh, a long life. Th- you know, if they think about it that way. Pretty remarkable. Additionally, the Talmud says, Tzedakah says from Gehenim, from retribution after death. And... You know, the question is why? So we have doctor giving us, you know, giving us um, uh, redemption. It saves us from death. It saves us from Gehenem. It seems very remarkable. But why? Like, well, what? A, what is the link? We know that, the, that, that in, in the spiritual realm, you get something, you get out of something what you put into it. So what about charity is so impactful to our lives that makes us, you know, merit having redemption, having salvation? So I want to say the first point, the first takeaway point here. Charity is an act of mercy. Charity is an act of mercy. When you see someone who's less fortunate than you, you see the downtrodden, the poor, the people that need help with their sustenance. You see people that are worse off than you. There's something that is aroused in the heart of a Jew, and that is the, uh, the, the uh, uh, compulsion of mercy. You feel bad that someone else has ha, has it bad. That is a uniquely, well, not uniquely, but a, a, a primary dominant trait amongst the Jews. And therefore, when you show mercy to another person, God likewise shows mercy to you. And therefore, I'll tell you guys, this is a, a, a scary thing here a little bit. When I say, you know what? Judge me on my own. We mentioned this, I think it was last time we spoke. If, if I have the gall to go over to the Almighty and, Almighty and say, listen, Almighty, judge me on my own merit. You know what's going to happen? I'm going to lose. Because none of us, uh, or at least most of us, are not meritorious enough, are not righteous enough to stand on our own. We always ask the Almighty for mercy. Part of our prayers, every day we say it in the prayers, give us mercy. You know why we ask for mercy, not judgment? Because if we ask for judgment, we lose. What's the best way to arouse God's mercy? You know how you arouse God's mercy? By having be, being merciful yourself. If you're merciful to others, God will be merciful to you. So you know what? It's possible that many of us, if you look at our our sins versus our mitzvahs, our merits versus uh, you know our our um, um, our uh, assets versus liabilities on a spiritual realm, most of us probably aren't deserving of having a long life, aren't deserving of having all the good things and seeing our potential being fulfilled. However, God is merciful. But God is merciful to the degree that we are merciful. Therefore, if we are merciful on others, God likewise will be merciful on us. And I want to tell you guys a scary thing that Maimonides tells us. He says, if you see a Jew that is does not give charity, you have to inspect his heritage and genealogy. Because not giving charity is a realm of cruelty. And if someone's cruel, you gotta worry, maybe they're not Jewish. Because Jews innately are, are, are merciful. If someone is cruel, you gotta say, okay, Show me the documents. How do we know you're really Jewish? Bring me your father's suba. Right? Show me a picture of your grandfather's, your grandparents' grave. I want to see that they have the, the, the sign of the coin. I want to see it. I want to see it with my eyes. I don't believe it. That's what Maddie says. Why? Because charity is linked with mercy. And uh, when you are merciful, go ahead. Bernie has a question. Go ahead, Bernie. Go ahead, Bernie. It's Bernie. Retribution after death. That's a new term. It seems like, uh, Bernie, you might have missed some recent classes. Uh, So, yes, um, we have uh, a core principle of Judaism. Uh, Once again, Bernie's question was, if anyone didn't hear it, Bernie's question was, what's the idea of retribution after death? Uh, One of the core principles of Judaism, in fact, it's one of Maimonides' 13 principles, is the idea of reward and punishment. And that is The idea that our actions, both good and bad, matter. Our actions matter because there are consequences to it. If our actions did not matter, they would be inconsequential. They wouldn't matter. Thus, if you accept the Jewish vision of a life of purpose, by definition you're accepting the idea of our life mattering, and thus our actions mattering. Thus, if someone does good, their a- actions matter, and if someone does bad, their actions matter. Well, how do they matter? And the idea—that's the idea of reward and punishment. Now, where this reward and punishment actually happens uh, is—it's clearly not in this world because we see—it's—it's it's, it's plainly evidenced uh, that you see people that are, uh, you know, uh, objectively evil, and they have a pretty good life, and you see people that are objectively good, and they have a pretty bad life. Uh, so it's—it's—it's it's, it's something that we don't even need to. Uh, rely on tradition, but still we have tradition that say it means we we have it. It's logical and it's and it's based upon tradition that this world is not the locale of reward and punishment. Now, where it is, um, that's a good question because there are a lot of different answers to that. Uh, we have answer number one: the idea of Gan Eden, Garden of Eden or Paradise, versus Gehenim, which is the idea of 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 purgatory, on one hand, that's the first answer that we have, or the first locale uh, we have the idea of Mashiach. That that's that's more of a uh, uh, on this earth, but not in this iteration of this earth. We that's the second one. We have the idea of Olam Haba. Olam Haba is the ultimate destination of of humanity, which means it's the next world. It's some other Reinvention of humanity, where we're soul dominant, body recessive. Um, we spoke about this at great length. As the longest class I've ever given uh, was about the, this topic, uh, and 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 lastly, we have the resurrection. Uh, resurrection is where body and soul reunite on planet Earth. Um, so those are the four places where we're in, but they're all post uh, post death, or at least post post or um, uh, er, life on this earth as we currently know it. That's that's what it means. And now uh, the Talmud employs, when it says that someone who gives charity, they get saved from this, they employ, they're talking about Gehenim. So Gehenim is a much more, uh, I guess, basic uh, realm of punishment. Um, would this extend to other areas of reward and punishment? I think it would uh, as well. That's what my assumption would be. Because it's a great mitzvah. It's a great mitzvah. If it's equal to the entire Torah. Well, then of course it's going to matter uh in in every aspect of evaluating man and their character. Does that sufficiently answer your question, Bernie? Nod, I cannot hear you. <laughs> Excellent. Um so so this is a powerful idea. And the idea is that when we act mercifully, God will respond in kind and act mercifully. Uh, we find the following statement of the Talmud. It's a great debate that we have amongst uh, amongst uh, Rabbi Akiva, the great sage, and his Roman, uh, I wouldn't say, counterpart or a, a Roman contemporary, uh, whose name is Turnus Rufus, famous guy in the Talmud we mentioned him all the time. So Turnus Rufus comes to Rabbi Akiva and says to him, "Hey, if God loves poor people, why does He not give them money?" Why does he not sustain them? Why are there poor people? And Robert Kiva responds to them. He says, yes, that's a very good question. And he gives them a good answer. He says, the reason why God creates poor people is that we can be saved from death and gehenim through giving charity. Thus, it's not just someone is unfortunate in life that by necessity of the need, we have to give charity. Not only that, it's much deeper. It's the only way, essentially, for us to uh, achieve certain degrees of salvation can be via charity. Now, you ask the question, well, why do these guys need to suffer? That's a good question. You say, hey, uh, is it all about saving the wealthy people so they can give charity? Well, what about the poor people? You know, they're they're just there to help other people achieve greatness in life? So there's a few answers to that. First of all, I'll tell you that even a poor person receives charity, they are not exonerated from giving charity on their own. You know, So if you're poor, and unfortunately, whatever, you're poor. That's just the way it is. And you receive charity. Uh, It's unfortunate, but you receive charity. Does that mean that you yourself are not obligated to give charity as well? No. You too need your salvation. I also saw recently uh, just a cool tidbit. Um just to kind of dovetail what uh on what Bernie brought up this whole idea of um big picture questions, I saw one of the commentaries they said that uh there's this idea of a guild rule or 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 reincarnation. Now, I want to give a quick disclaimer. I don't talk about reincarnation. I don't know much about it. It's very hard to find sources talking about it. It's not so clear if it's universally accepted amongst all the great commentators and philosophers of, of Judaism but either way today this morning uh, I saw uh, someone uh, comments on that piece of Talmud by saying that every arrow every every lifespan you have let's say two guys, one guy's wealthy and another one's poor and the wealthy person helps the poor person and then in their next life the the, the roles are reversed. That the poor person is now wealthy, and the wealthy person is now poor, and then it goes, it goes, you know, they pass it along, so to speak. I don't know, man. That's what I saw. I thought it was cute. I, 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 I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to uh, uh, accept or deny its veracity, but that's just a, a nice idea. But either way, I think that uh, this is, you know, probably uh, should sufficiently. Um, Teach us about the importance of giving charity. When we realize that when we give charity, we save our own skin from death and, and 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 destruction. And that's a very powerful motiv- motivating factor. And it makes sense. It's not just random that you'll do a mitzvah. And it's just as if the rabbis are trying to con you into giving more charity. You know, it's like say, you know, it's suddenly everyone's worried about what you know. Suddenly the guy's making the appeal, and suddenly he's quoting Talmud. That's often suspect. It's not just that. It makes sense that. Um, When you give charity, you're acting mercifully, God will respond mercifully. So whether that means redemption on a communal level, whether that means redemption and salvation on a personal level, either way, God will respond to you mercifully. And who doesn't want God to be merciful to us? Who doesn't want that? Well, what do you got to do? You got to be merciful to others. Uh, So I think that's a a very good reason to uh, to, to give charity, but there's more. Uh, And I want to quickly run through them because I don't want to, uh, get too sidetracked here but how about this charity giving charity is one of the best ways to perfect your character and we know we, spoke, we, we, we have spoken about this uh, endlessly about the importance of character especially um, in Judaism and that is that our goals in life are to come in flawed and to emerge perfected The Torah is aptly described as a guidebook and a manual for achieving perfection, for achieving greatness. It's a book of instructions of how to do it. The idiot's guide to perfection. is the Torah. Uh, Now, the Torah is telling you you give charity. Well, what happens when you give charity? You know what happens? Two things. First of all, you notice someone's need. You're Mind is, uh, is, at least temporarily, um, for the time being, it is uh, thinking about the fact that someone else has a plight. You know, you're thinking about whether that's an individual or organization or the people that got flooded. You're not just thinking about yourself. You're expanding your humanity to include other people. That's a very powerful emotion to over, over, or even thought to overcome in a person. On one hand, additionally, I got a quick question for you that came up. Can you hear me? Yes. Go ahead. Yes, On uh, uh, the same thing you're talking about, the question is: Is does charity only speak about? Is it just money, or is it volunteering? I mean, taking time—time time is money. Take time out of your livelihood to go help other people is that the same? Yeah. So, um, I was going to mention this uh, towards the end, uh, but now that you brought it up, there's this idea called meiser, or tithing, giving 10%. And uh, the famous Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, um, the preeminent uh, halachic authority of the past 100 years, he wrote in, an, in a halachic opinion in response to that, just like we have to dedicate 10% of our income, post-tax income, uh, to, to charity... Uh, we also have to dedicate 10% of our time towards uh, towards the needs of others, um, so to the needs of the community. So whether that means volunteering for the synagogue, for the sisterhood, um, going to help people with the flood uh, in Maryland, uh Helping uh, tutor someone who needs help, or helping the internet war, whatever it is, any act of doing good for others. Um, so there's this idea uh, as well. Now, when we talk about uh, charity from the Torah's perspective, it's 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 talking about uh, money. However, the idea of Chesed, Chesed, we mentioned, we spoke about Chesed kindness uh, at great length in this very same setting, and Chesed is about actions that you do with your body or with your uh, with your with your with, you know with your um with your um with your voice for example, like when you say something to someone else say something nice, you compliment someone else in any other way besides for monetary so uh kindness and and charity are often united as one because uh they um they overlap um so yes but uh, but 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 the idea of 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 tithing as well. Uh, in, in in the measure of giving 10% is also mentioned uh, as well. Either way, so we're saying that charity perfects your character. We said, number one, it forces you to think about someone else. When you are exposed to someone who has a need for charity, they will say, I um, have uh, certain financial burdens that I can't meet, or I have there's someone who's poor and can't feed their family or clothe their family, right? So you suddenly think, wait, there's someone out there that doesn't have food for their family. like that. Just that thought is a very healthy thought for you because it takes you out of your life and it exposes you to someone else's life and it puts you in their shoes. Now frequently when you're thinking when someone's telling you their story, your mind is it, it, your, your mind is not exiting, your situation, and you're just entrenching your situation, thinking, "How do I get out of this with minimal damage?" So then, it's not really as uh, as 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 uh, uh, enveloping uh, as it ought to be. But the goal is when you have charity, when you have a, a charitable uh, a preposition, your goal is to stop for a second and and contemplate and, and think about someone else's situation, someone else's plight. Uh, Maimonides even says, he says that if someone, what if someone doesn't have any money to think of charity? Someone comes over to you and says, oh, I need help. So what do you do? You console him with words. That's also a measure of charity. Why? Because that is an example of you leaving your realm, exiting your realm, and thinking about someone else. It's an incredibly powerful experience. Number one. Number two, what does it force us to do? What is the great challenge of giving charity? It forces us to part with something physical i.e. the the money. And that's a very painful experience because for us, the physical holds great stature. As body-centric entities, we are predominantly physical and therefore, for us to make a spiritual decision that means hampering our material state of being, that is a transformative experience and that is one of the end goals of of the torah to try to flip the reality that we have within ourselves to make it more spiritual so by doing that and and and, and saying goodbye to something physical for something spiritual a very transformative thing so I, and i and i think it makes a lot of sense what we mentioned earlier charity is is equal to the entire torah well what's the torah the torah is the guide for our perfection can't we say that charity is 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 a tremendous Uh, 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 example It's it's a microcosm of what the torah at large is supposed to do for us just like the torah teaches us to expand our humanity become great charity does that the torah is about teaching us to become less physical more spiritual well it's plainly demonstrated when we give charity we're saying goodbye to money only for spiritual results we don't. We don't want it. That's that's the purest form of charity. We don't want to get anything back tangible. Only spiritual back. Um. So perhaps that's why uh, charity is equal to the entire Torah. Now they say, Rabbi. Okay. So we have all these spiritual things. We have God being merciful. We have, we have uh becoming you know, becoming great in character. What about for me? You know. I like I like my monetary investments to have monetary uh, 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 results. What about that guy? Listen to this guys. This is from the Talmud. A stunning dialogue here. Uh, this is from the book of Tinus. Tinus means a fast day. Uh, this is the book of Talmud that talks about fast days. We know that we have six fast days in the Jewish calendar. Plus, there were, uh, back in the day, when there was no rain in Israel, when there were droughts, they would have uh, public, publicly declared flat fast days. and so the laws are discussed in that book. Uh, in it we find this great dialogue between Rabbi Yochanan and his nephew. And his nephew meets the great rabbi and he says to him, tell me some Torah. Okay, what's the Torah, he says? He quotes a verse in the Torah that says, give a tenth of your money to charity. So, he's, but it says aser to give ma'aser. and he says to him, okay, why does it say the word twice, aser to aser? Why is it have to say it twice? Right, the word aser, like the word eser in Hebrew, when you count the Hebrew, one, two, three, five, seven, seven nine, ten is eser. So ma'aser means one tenth. But why does it have to say twice, aser to aser? So he tells him, Rabbi Yochanan says, aser b'shvil shetit asher, right? give a tenth in order that you become wealthy. The Talmud says that someone should give a tenth of the money to charity. Why? Not for spiritual reasons. Not because of, oh, you'll become great and perfect your character and save from Gehenna. This, this world. Financial reasons. Give charity so you become wealthy. That's what Rabbi Yochanan told his nephew. And he responded. He says, how do you know this? What's your source for this? How do you know that you, you give a tenth of money to charity, you get wealthy? So he responds to them. I tried. I I I I actually I um I I I, um, I did an experiment. I gave 10% and I became wealthy. I I just it's 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 it was it was demonstrated to me. So he says to him, Oh, you tried. But are you allowed to try God? Are you allowed to make a test for God? We read in this past week's parsha that you're not allowed to test God. And seemingly, that would preclude everything. You can't say, oh, if God is here, if God is in control, you know, let me split the sea, or uh, if God really... You know, you can't do that. So the nephew asked Rabbi Yochanan, how did you try, how did you test God? Um, sorry, there's a phone here in the background. I apologize. One second. I should get rid of this. I apologize. That was unprofessional. <laughs> so, you're not allowed to test God. So, how says, how says um, the nephew of Rabbi Yochanon how do you allow to test God? So he says to them like this: he brings towards him a verse that says, God says, Bring all the charity to uh, the house, and then check me out, inspect me, test me, says God, if I don't open up for you the windows of the heaven, and I will give you blessing until you can say stop. What does that mean? Until your lips become tired from saying enough. Thus, the verse says, test God by giving charity, and he will give you a bountiful blessing that the Talmud says with only a hint of a hyperbole that will give you such blessing that your lips will become tired from saying it's enough there'll be such abundance that you'll youll you'll you'll, you'll be saying enough it's enough it's enough I don't need any more to such a degree that your lips will come tired saying that that's what it says Now, to me, it's remarkable. The Talmud is saying, the verse is actually saying, that there's only one area of our spiritual life that we're allowed to go and test God. We're allowed to make an experiment. We're allowed to do something and say, let's see, show me, prove it to me. And that's the area of giving charity. Where someone is allowed to say, I'm going to give a 10% of my money and I want to see wealth results. It's the only place that you're allowed to do it. To me, this is amazing. This is awesome. There's one area in life that we're allowed to go to God and say, you know what? Show me. Show me the money. There's one area in life that you're allowed to do that. Only this area. I'm going to give my in order that I become wealthy. And it seems like, additionally, that it's even a, it's a kosher motivation. You know, normally you would say, uh, you know, you shouldn't really, you should give charity because of giving charity. Here it says that you're even allowed to give charity with the intention of becoming wealthy. So that seems to me pretty remarkable. And, and you know what? This is God giving you the promise. Think about this. Like, if you got a hot stock tip from God... You know, God says, you know, buy, uh, buy this and that stock. It's, it's a stock tip from God. Who wouldn't put all their money in it? Well, maybe you want to diversify a little bit, you know. Half there and half in the S&P 500. But this is a stock tip from God. This is a stock tip from God. He's telling you, give charity, give 10%, you'll become wealthy. And you know what? Test me. Only here you'll have to test me. So this remarkable stock tip uh, made me kind of bridge the problem that we had earlier. You know, earlier we asked, uh, we you know, the Talmud says that if someone doesn't give charity, uh, then it's as if they don't, as if they commit idolatry. And the question is, you know what? Charity is about man and man. Idolatry is a rejection of faith. How do they ever overlap? I was thinking that maybe this is where they overlap. You know, we believe in God. And we realize that God has all the power and he's literally a billionaire. Literally. Maybe even a trillionaire. He's the only trillionaire out there. And he has dominion over everything. Do we really believe that? Well, if we have faith, we believe that. But but do we actually believe that? let let's inspect what is what does god say god says you know what I'll give charity give charity is he trying to make our life miserable is he trying to make us poor i don't know it's doubtful but i don't know maybe yes maybe maybe maybe, maybe that's the test uh, maybe so you have the billionaire trillionaire with total dominion over all and he tells you to give charity give away your money okay It's unlikely that he's trying to make our life miserable, but let's say he is. And then he says, give charity and you won't lose. You'll gain. It's a divine promise that the charity will positively impact my finances. That's what we have over here. And then someone says, you know what? I'm still not giving charity. That person is clearly lacking in faith. We have a divine promise that when you give charity, you won't lose. Now, how God does it, it it doesn't matter. God is well diversified. There's a lot of ways for him to take care of you. But we have a divine promise. It's clear. There's a verse. You don't even have to say the rabbis are trying to just uh, con us into giving more charity to support their causes. We have a divine promise that charity will impact your life financial lives positively. I think it's very appropriate now to say that someone who doesn't give charity, they're rejecting the faith of, of God. Right? It's it's akin to idolatry. Why? Because they're rejecting the fact that God has total control of my finances and he's literally a billionaire. Well, that's that's an act of repudiation of faith. But also, I think it's very comforting for us. It's comforting to know that when we give charity, even though it seems like you're giving when you actually tally the numbers, you'll realize that you are wealthier off than you were earlier. Now, I'm not saying that you give charity and the second later your your bank account miraculously uh, appears with more money than you gave, you know. That, that's not how it happens. It means over the aggregate of time, someone who gives charity will notice a bump in their financial status. Not only that, I want to I add uh, this as well. I saw Maimonides writes, that there is a guarantee that no one will lose or be harmed or be injured in any way from from giving charity. People don't regret the charity they gave. So on one hand, we have a pledge uh, that our finances will be positively impacted when we give charity. On the other hand, we have another promise um, born out of verses in the Torah that say that we will not lose So we will gain, we won't lose, and if we still are not convinced, you know what? We probably need to inspect our faith. Because if this is not enough to convince us, well, do we really believe? Or maybe maybe that's where we even need to start. If someone doesn't have faith, well, then maybe they'll have a hard time giving charity. Because charity is built upon a certain foundation of faith. If you don't have that certain foundation of faith, well, then you'll have a hard time because, like we said, it's it's economically a challenging thing to do. To give charity is something where you, you know, it's an, it's an instance where you have to give away some of your very valuable assets. Now, what about when someone is really righteous? What about when someone's righteous who gives charity? Just to... Uh, add on to this previous point. So you would think, you know what, if someone's really righteous, someone's a tzaddik, they give charity, because that's someone who really lives in the spiritual realm. They care about spiritual items. So therefore, the money is of, of, of minor or secondary importance, so it's very easy for someone who's righteous to give charity. So you would think. Uh, and then, is that right? Is that what everyone would think? Do I, do I see any nods? I see some nods. Okay. That's what you think. It's very easy for someone who is righteous to give charity. Uh, Why? Because they they don't value their money so much. And then we find like this. This is a crazy Talmud, by the way. Maybe we'll talk about this some other time. Tzadikim chavivim aleim mamonam yoser midrufon. Tzadikim. Righteous people. They value their money more than their life. Now that sounds obviously very bizarre. Uh, You know, you... Come to someone. And say, money or life? You know, remember that. So they used to do money or life. Well, everyone obviously values a life more than the money. So why does the Talmud say that the tzaddikim value their money more than their life? It seems very bizarre. And you would think the opposite would be true—that they would value their life. Uh, what's money? Money's just physical. It's just material. It's it's just it's it's nothing. It's it's something. It's it's to be immaterial. Why are tzadityim so... uh, It seems seems like a contradiction. So I want to just zone in on this point here. Someone who is righteous. What does that mean? It means that they have a recognition that their money is given to them by the Almighty to achieve a certain goal. That's what it means. Thus to them even their money has spiritual qualities to it. Because they realize that this is given to them for a certain goal. And the more clearly that we realize that our finances are come from God and they're overseen by God, the easier it is for us to use them for what He expects of us to use them. So once again, we see a strengthening of the bond between tzedakah and faith. Tzedakah is a act of faith with our money. Greatness, a tzaddik, is someone who has a recognition of the value of their money in the spiritual realm as a gift from God for them to achieve what they wanted to achieve. Thus, uh, a charity is indeed an act of faith. Because it is a actualization of the reality that the God gave me the money to achieve what it is that I achieved that I need to achieve in life. And failure to give is a demonstration of lack of faith. And I think that's the the, the, the link is 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 uh is obvious. But there's more. We find the following statement once again in the Talmud. And it says as follows. It says, God assigns a amount of money that everyone will lose over the year. Slippage, you know, three and a half percent, right? You, you lose something, you know, you, you misplace your phone, your phone drops into the toilet, right? I don't know if that's happened to anyone here. And you frantically try to, ah, it doesn't work. You try to put it in a bag of rice. It doesn't work. Uh, or you're, you know, just unexpected expenses come up, right? All those things, says the Talmud, they are assigned year uh, every year, Rosh Hashanah, how much someone is going to lose. However, what someone gives to charity comes off that total. Thus, it's possible for us to have had uh, on Rosh Hashanah an allotment of loss. And that allotment would be, I don't know, Five thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars of money that we're going to lose this year. It's not going to go to anything constructive. It's not going to go to the mortgage or to the or to the vacation. Nothing. It's just going to be lost. You know. It's possible that that will be the kids' dental bills. You know, or your dentals. You just you suddenly got a root canal and it's miserable, and you have three days of misery and five thousand dollars of losses. It's possible that you'll just misplace the money, or the kids need stitches, or you'll have some agony of market losses. Right? But there's a certain amount of money that you're going to have that uh, that's, that you're going to lose every year. The Talmud says that when you give money to charity, that money gets deducted off the amount of money that you would have lost anyhow. It gives this great story once again by Rabbi Yochanan um, and his nephews, and that he he foresaw that they're going to lose 700 dinars, gold dinars, over that year. So the entire year he's coaxing his nephews to give charity, give charity, give charity, give charity. And they gave tons of charity that year because of what their uncle told them. And they gave 683 gold coins to charity. And then, on the day before Yom Kippur, the last day of the year, the uh, the taxing authority came and they said, we're taking 17 gold coins from you. And then he told them that you should know that I knew that you were going to lose 700 Gold coins. That's why I forced you to give as much stuck as you possibly can, because otherwise you would have lost it anyhow. And now you uh, you lost the last seventeen that you would have, that, you know, that you would that, that you would have uh, that 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 were pre designated uh, to be lost regardless. They said to him, "Well, why don't you tell us?" It says, "I wanted you to give charity uh, out of the goodness of your heart, not to try to save yourself from losses." But either way, I think that this is uh, a an- another another. Heartening uh, idea that it's possible that the money that we give to charity, even though it's sometimes painful to to uh, you know to depart with hard earned money, it's very likely, it's very possible that that money would have been gone anyhow. And wouldn't you rather? Wouldn't you rather your money go towards a good? You know, good cause, Uh, whether it's supporting Torah, whether it's supporting uh, poor people, whether it is lending out in a free loan society, whatever it is, whatever, however you want to assign your charity, your charitable, your charitable giving. But isn't that a good feeling? You know, isn't that better than having the stock market tank? You know, on the day that you buy the stock, it it just drops twenty percent, just bad luck or whatever, and that agonizing feeling of of you just lost money. Here we find in the Talmud that says that if you give charity, you won't lose money. To me, I think that this, once again, is another way to make it easier for us uh, to give charity. Now, I want to up the ante here, guys. I want to give a great story here. I'm I'm in in Canada now. There's this great story about a um, a very enormously wealthy Torontonian uh, who left two wills. Last will and testament, Tzavah in Hebrew, uh, and he was the uh, you know essentially the uh, the wealthiest guy around, the big philanthropist, support all the institutions and everything. Very respected individual, uh, real estate magnate, and he when he died, he left two letters. One of them had said to be read after I die, and the next one said to be read after the shiva, after the seven days of mourning. Okay, so after he dies, he the kids open the you know the will, and he says to them, amongst other things, he says, "I want you guys to be buried with I want to I want to be buried with my socks. I want to be buried with my socks." Well, it seems like a bizarre request, okay, but that's what he wants. That's what he wants. So, but the problem is, is that the halacha says that you can't be buried with your socks. So they went to the rabbi. And the rabbi said to them, listen, you know, I know I, I very much valuable, value your dad's relationship and the relationship he had with our institution and our schools and our yeshivas, and etc. But the halach is that you can't be buried with anything aside from your burial shrouds. And you can't wear socks, so no socks for daddy. He said, okay, well, that's what he wanted, but unfortunately he didn't get it. Okay, fine. So they, uh, they buried him without socks. And then, after the shiva, they opened up the other will, and he tells him in the other will, kids! You should realize that when you die, you can't even bring your socks with you. You can't even bring your socks with you. An incredibly powerful idea. When we die, what do we have? We have our mitzvahs. That's it. In this world, we don't even think about, we don't, we don't dwell on the thought that we're going to die. Why because that's a very painful thought to think of, however, spiritually it's a very emboldening thats it's even a word, but a very a very empowering thought the thought of your death because when you think of your own demise, you'll live life more purposefully and I, I think with charity it's very important to realize this we have this desire to just amass as much as we can but then we die we're all gonna die and then what do we have then you know what we have then our money does nothing for us then you know there was one crazy lady who wanted to be buried in her corvette i think but still i don't think the uh, zero to 60 works that well underground you know what do we have we have what we earned in this world and what we earned in, in not in the, in the physical, we could buy a really nice box. But even a nice box gets eaten up by maggots. It might take them a little bit longer to eat through the box, but that's what happens. That's what happens when we die, and it's not fun to think about. It's it's obviously, you know, it's not inspiring, but it's it's true, and it's it's impactful in, in this area of, of our lives. And thinking about thinking about it this way that. You know, we like we said there's a mission that says that when someone dies, what accompanies him? Not his gold, not his silver, not his fancy cars, not his fancy vacation homes. What accompanies him is his mitzvahs, his Torah study, his generosity, his charity. Thus, if you want to really make a, a, a an impact on your legacy, if you want to have something continue on after you, after you're dead, you want your money to work for you. You know, uh, people, I remember there was a guy who said, he doesn't want to work for his money. He wants to have his money work for him. I think that's a common, uh, a common uh, uh, adage in the financial sector. You don't want to work for your money want your money work for you. Okay, how do I have my money work for me? In the best way possible for the longest duration. You know how? By using it for a mitzvah. And chief amongst those would be, would be charity. That came up. If you can address it now, or whenever, if you're if you feel like fitting it in later. But it is what does the, the Torah teach about where you give your ten percent your sadaka? Because um, you know it's it's normal that like the Christian community that you give it all to the church. Someone asks, is that the same in Judaism, or is this? So if, if you can address that at some point too. Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm I have one more item here um, that I'm going to discuss before I get into the practical elements of it. Um, and then uh, hopefully uh, please remind me Dan, if I don't get to it um, if I don't get to it uh, earlier, uh, if I don't get to, to it before I'm done, uh, we're gonna try to address that as well. Uh, so one more item here, and this is uh, I think a very powerful thought um, that Maimonides uh, writes. He says as follows quote: He says, "All of Israel and those that join Israel. so not only the Jews but also the uh, the converts are like brothers. It quotes a verse that your sons, you are children to the Almighty, and it says, "If someone does not have mercy on his brothers, right? Who's going to have mercy on him? If we don't have mercy on our own, our own kin, who's going to have mercy on them? And to whom do the poor people of Israel? To whom are they yearning for? To whom are they hoping for salvation? Are they? Are they, You know? Are they going to deal with? Are they going to try to hope for salvation? Uh, From people that hate them, no, they they look to their brothers. So to me, this is a nice, uh, powerful thought to think about. That we look at the Jewish people like we're one unit, we're one family. It's very important for us to realize that. And and with charity, we don't think of you know when when you we don't have tallies in our head of how much we're giving to our children. Well, maybe some people do. But most people don't say, uh, you know, I have a certain amount of money and and that's it. You know, if you don't have clothing for the spring, sorry, all the money is used up, you know. Uh, Go mow some lawns. That's not the attitude we have with our children because we feel close to them. Well, ideally, we ought to feel close to our, you know, our rest of our family, our extended family, the Jewish people as well. And if we are to inculcate that thought, that feeling of, 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 I guess, uh, uh, um, camaraderie and love and unity uh, amongst the Jewish people. Uh, I think that thought makes it a lot easier uh, to give charity. Okay, so let's so, that, so that's that. I want to just let's give a quick recap of kind of the reasons why we do it. Um, we said, let's go quickly here. It um, it saves us. We get mercy by showing mercy. Uh, it is improves our character more than anything else. That's why it's representative of the entire Torah. It makes us wealthy. We don't lose anything. It's an act of faith. Uh, and it's money we might have lost anyway. We can't take the money to our grave with us. We don't regret it. And it's giving money to our family. Um, so that's, that's why we give charity. Now, how, how do you actually do this? So I want to just give a little rant, uh, if I may. Um, I think one of the broad principles of charities that you have to give based on need uh, of others. Like I mentioned this already at the beginning, that charity is about giving, not about receiving. Unfortunately, people, like we said, it's hard to give. Um, And therefore, I think people want to give in a way that they get the most out of it. Uh, You know, art museums. When you actually give money, when you give art to an art museum, in all likelihood your art will never even be seen. Um, less than five to eight percent of art that's owned by Artmazine is ever shown to the public. So essentially you're you're giving your money towards having the good feeling and being invited to the fancy swanky parties, cocktail parties, you know, to rub shoulders with the elite, but it's not gonna impact the community in any way. So I think that's completely an act of taking. Completely. It's not it's going to be in a cellar forever. That's where it's going to be. You're not impacting anyone in any way. That is an act of taking, uh, and I and 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 I think that's why it's so easy to get to, to give to the army. You uh, you always wonder like, why is it possible that there's uh, hospitals in Israel where you have patients in the hallways because the rooms are so overcrowded and there's just no place to put them. I remember like you know, my wife gave birth a few times in Israel and you see women who are four seconds after they're having a baby and they're in the hallway, like where everyone could see and gawk at them, you know. They look like they just—they they almost died in childbirth and they're in the hallway. Why? Because it's just overcrowded, there's no room for them. Yet, these art museums, they have hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars and it's, it's so bizarre. Like, why, why, why are people allocating their funds in such a ridiculous way? The answer is... Because it's a lot easier to take than to give. It's still easier. And charity about giving. And if I want to take, I'll give to the Arbazine. If I want to give, I may give to a hospital. Um, so so, so that, that, that's the important point. Now, who do you give to? And how much do you give? What's, you know, so there's obviously, you know, the, the gold standard of charity is to give to a poor person who doesn't have food. That's the gold standard. Um, well, what about if you live in a community or in a city or in an era where almost everyone has food? I, I think today in America, almost everyone has food. Um, so what do you do then? Is there still charity? What about if someone has food but doesn't have clothing? What if someone has clothing but doesn't have a place to live? So we find something remarkable, and I think this might be a little controversial here uh, amongst, uh, amongst us. We find like this. The law of charity is that you have to give someone what they need. Remember, it's all about not me giving. It's not what I'm going to get. It's what they need. Thus, if there is a wealthy person in town, someone who's really wealthy, and then he lost all his money, and now he's destitute, charity would include me giving him money not only to sustain himself, but even says the Talmud to hire a wagon and a horse and to have runners running in front of him. It used to be back in the day that the wealthy people they would have not only they would have a carriage and you know and, and a driver, but they'd also have like runners running in front of them announcing his arrival. You know, that was an act of aristocracy. You would have people running and saying, "Oh, so and so is coming. So and so is coming." says the Talmud, if, if someone was wealthy and now they're poor, it's even charity to give them money to hire runners to go run in front of their carriage. Why? Because that's what they need. And so long as they don't have that, they don't feel complete. They feel destitute. Obviously, the you know if, if you have two people in town, one of them doesn't have bread to eat, and one of them doesn't have someone to run in front of their carriage. You give to the to the you know to the greatest need. And what's the greatest need of them all? Uh, when you have someone who is you know being held as hostage for ransom. That's the says Maimonides. That says the says the, says the Talmud. That is the best. That that's a, the, the greatest charity you could possibly give. Why? Because that is someone who is hungry and thirsty. And in grave danger of of losing their life. Uh, thus, that you know that that is that someone who has the most need and the most need, therefore, there's the greatest need for charity. But once again, it's about the need, not about what I get out of it. Uh, well, what about if you have two people with the same need? So um, we find, obviously, a uh, a woman comes before a man. So if you see a man and a woman that have the same need, you give the, to, the, to the woman before the man, obviously because it's it's harder for the woman to, she, you know, she has more shame, she's more embarrassed, therefore her need is greater. Uh, a Kohen before a Levi, a Levi before an Israelite, the standard practice of of who we accord the honor to uh, first, uh, that would apply as well. But says Maimani, says the Talmud, before anyone is a Torah scholar. Thus, if you have someone who is a bastard, who's a mamzer, but is a Torah scholar, then he takes precedence before the Kohen Gadol, before the high priest. Why? Because in our system of meritocracy that we have in Judaism, the greatest uh, receptacle of your, of your charity is someone who is a Torah scholar. Why? Because he is the greatest of 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 the uh, of the recipients. Thus, I, in my estimation, the best form of charity you could possibly give is supporting poor Torah scholars. Uh, we don't have so many of them in Houston. Uh, in Israel, there's lots and lots and lots and lots of them. Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, maybe it's fortunately for us because we could save our skin. Um, now. What about Gentiles? Well, we, says my mind, is we give charity to Gentiles. But it's, he, 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 he makes a note, he says, we give charity to Gentiles as a source of peace. We don't want the Gentiles to come or to, 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 to be angry at us that we only support our own. Therefore, we give them charity. So he says that it's essentially we wouldn't, you know, we give to whoever's closer to us first. So if, it, if someone in your family has a need, you give to them first. If someone in your block, in your neighbor has, or in your community, they have the need, we give to them first. If someone, um, the closer they are to you, the the, the you know the, the the greater your responsibility towards them is, and therefore the more they should take precedence in your charity. And obviously, the Gentile, someone who's distant from us, uh, so we give the Jew before the Gentile, obviously, but we don't want the Gentiles to think that our charity, uh, our, our our goodness, is only isolated uh, amongst amongst the the Jewish uh, the Jewish community. Now, uh, what about other things? Uh, so we said the gold standard is poor people who don't have money. Uh, we'll see exactly how you go about doing that. Uh, but what about, what about uh, you know, if there's no really poor people or, you know, um, there are any mitzvah, any mitzvah that wouldn't have been done otherwise is charity. So for example, if let's say I would love to study Talmud, However, buying a set of Talmud, especially one that has it in English, is fifteen hundred dollars. Now, I wouldn't study Talmud unless I have a set of Talmud, right? I, I'm not going to study Talmud, right, unless I have unless I have the books of Talmud. But I'm not going to buy a set of Talmud because I, I don't have the money. So that would be charity. You're allowed to use. Money for charity, money that's designated to charity, you're allowed to use it to any mitzvah that would not be otherwise fulfilled. So even if it means buying books and keeping a book on your bookshelf, right? It is designated for a mitzvah that wouldn't have been done otherwise. Therefore, it can be charity money can be used for that as well. However, just uh, to to follow up on that, when you buy uh, books for uh, out of charity money you should write in it that this month this book was bought right right the first page this book was bought with charity money and everyone's allowed to use it and then when you die it should be donated to let's say a Jewish library uh, because it, it shouldn't be part of your estate because it was used with charity money to, uh, to to purchase it but that's obviously an extreme example of any mitzvah that wouldn't have been fulfilled otherwise um, would have fulfilled otherwise, or any, any good Jewish cause, uh, any charity, any 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 scholarship, any, you know, we have, we take students to Israel, uh, at Torch, we take students to Israel, this is a good thing to, to fundraise for, because it's a mitzvah that wouldn't happen, unless we have the finances for it, and people, you know, people support, because you're supporting a mitzvah, you're supporting Torah, you're supporting scholarship, you're supporting uh, visiting Israel, these are all mitzvahs, all right, that's an example of of, of of taking charity money and using it for anything that is a mitzvah that would be included as well. Supporting the synagogue, right? Buying a Torah scroll for the synagogue, right? All examples. Re, re, renovating the, the synagogue, right? That would be a, an example of, uh, of 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 charity. Now, where do you give your charity to? So, thankfully, is this wonderful thing in, uh, uh, in 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 North America, but it's actually. Uh, An anglicized version of something that was in existence for time immemorial. And that's the idea of a Jewish federation. A federation is a glorified um, uh, charity uh, dispensing organization. And this was something that existed in every single Jewish community from time immemorial. Maimonides writes, he says, we have never seen a Jewish community that doesn't have a kupas sedaka, which means a a, a, a a charitable foundation. There doesn't exist a Jewish city. So in America, we have that version in the, in the form of the Federation, where someone gives to the Federation, the Federation gives to all the, uh, the needy causes. However, that's not the only way to give charity. Um, obviously, the best way to give charity is where you do it on your own. Um, many people don't have the the time or the uh, you know the interest of doing that, uh, so they kind of outsource it to someone else, and that, and that's wonderful. Uh, but when you have the say of exactly where your money goes to, you know that it's going to go to the cause that you want wanted to go to, and I say that that that's important because just like we do not blindly drop our investment dollars into uh, investments without vetting them beforehand similarly we don't just blindly give charity. Charity is a mitzvah but what's the mitzvah to fulfill a need that's needed uh, uh, to fulfill a mitzvah need that you know, you know that, that is being unfulfilled however there is a great risk for charlatans. if I was a crook if I was a charlatan what what would I do I would start uh, a charitable foundation. That and raise money, and instead use the money, funnel the money to my own, uh, to my own, uh, to my own uh, needs, and buying myself Cadillacs. Right? Um, when you give money to me, you're not giving real charity. You're paying for my Cadillacs. That's not charity. It's very important to vet and to inspect and to assure that your money that you give to charity goes to the right cause. I just read this recently: the four biggest cancer charities in America. They're all run by one family. Less than 3%, less than 3% of the money that's donated to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars, less than 3% goes to actual uh, charity patients. The rest of it goes to other administrative nonsense and paying huge salaries for directors and all the families and... You know, and when you give money to that charity you're thinking that you're doing great oh you're helping char- you're helping leukemia and they have pictures of kids with bald heads Ive right that's what you think you're doing but in reality you're just funding someone else's uh, uh, vacation estapades. Uh that's why it's very very important to make sure that you don't give your charity uh, to an unworthy cause and uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you guys something striking. The Talmud says that when someone comes and someone says, uh, when you see someone who says, I'm hungry, you don't inspect. You don't say, oh, well, maybe he's not really hungry and he wants a free meal. Maybe he has loads. He's got stacks and stacks of hundreds in his pocket and he just wants a free meal. You don't, you don't do that. You don't vet that person. You you give them the food right away. You know why? Because it's possible that you'll be a murderer because that person may die because you know while you do, you're doing your due diligence, and then we don't want that. However, if you see someone that's naked and says, "I have no clothing," then you inspect. Why? Because there is no shortage of charlatans, and people will do anything to you know to to to, to take your. Dedicated charity monies for their own for their own being. You see someone who's and says "I have no clothing, give me clothing, buy me clothing." Right? You still inspect them. And I want I want to tell you guys something really cool. I'm mean, I'm in Canada now, uh, and Canada, Toronto is a is a very affluent uh, Jewish city. Uh, the Jewish community is very affluent here. Therefore, you have a lot of people coming, a lot of organizations coming. They do fundraising trips to Houston, a lot of individuals not to Houston to Toronto uh, because the people here are incredible in their charity it's just it, it it's an emporium of charity this 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 town that I'm in right now it's pretty remarkable uh tremendous affluence and tremendous charity by the way those two are linked together very often like we saw earlier uh either way you have to the tune of uh, dozens upon dozens of people every single solitary day landing in Toronto for the sole purpose of fundraising now, what do you do? Like, what? Ha, people are coming. They're giving you stories. And they're coming to your house. And some people, by the way, they have hours where people come in. Like uh, every night from 7 to 9. There's two hours where they just meet people one after another and just give them checks after checks after checks. Uh, and people are accosted left, right, and center. But that's what they signed up for, so to speak. Uh, and, but you have literally, literally dozens of people landing every single day. To uh to raise money for their cause or for themselves or whatnot in Toronto. So what do you do? How do you how, how do you? Someone knocks on your door and says that they have no money to feed their family. Okay, you want to give them money, but maybe they're a charlatan. What do you do? So what they do here in Canada, it, it's just ingenious. I even took a picture of it for you guys. They have centralized auditing committees. Everyone that comes, they sign up with. Uh, one of these central organizations and they they do the research. They call up the they call up in Israel, find out about them. they, uh, uh, they inspect their institution, they, they actually do the due diligence. and then people they give they give the guy a check that's in the name of that institution. So you have let's say a central institution. You give the money to the central institution, and they are the ones who would dispense the money to, to 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 the people in need. And it has two benefits. Number one, you get a tax deduction. Not every schlepper that comes off the boat uh, from from you know, to raise money, not every one of those people has a five hundred one c three or the Canadian equivalent. People are giving millions of dollars a week to charity. The one that should be tax deductible. But if you give it to the organization, well, they're tax deductible, and they and they dispense out to those people. Not only that, they also inspect. They inspect uh, those people, to make sure that make sure that they're that 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 they're that you know that they're not fakes, they're not frauds. And this is the coolest thing of all. That's why I took a picture of of of, of it for you guys. I'll show it to you in a second. Uh, you have, um, it's a doctor currency. So let's say you want to give someone charity. Uh, you want to give them, I don't know, $10, $15, $20, $100, whatever. You could buy uh, like a coupon book from one of these centralized charity institutions. You buy, I don't know, a 100 coupons of $10 each for $1,000. You give them a $1,000 check. They give you the tax deduction. And then you give out these coupons to all the people that you meet. So I took a picture of it here for you guys. Let me show you guys the picture. Do you guys see that? It's upside down. Charity voucher, $18. Not if you can see it. Yeah. I I was in the, in the in the synagogue over here and I saw that they have like a pushka. And in it there's not like the, you know there's some dollars and whatnot. <laughs> But there's a whole bunch of these things, so people just drop the charity into the into the pushka, in the form of these these new currencies that they you know that that, that you buy these books from these uh, from these charitable institutions. But that's a remarkable way to uh, to you know a, a modern way to uh, to make sure that your charity goes to the, to, to, to the um, to the right place. Now, I want to say that they, I want to just stress this point here. Oftentimes, we may think that. You know, we're giving charity. Let's just do charity. Let's just not think. Let's not overthink where the money is going to. And that seems like the right response spiritually. Like, you know, don't don't you know, don't investigate to too much. The truth is, we have to make sure that our charity goes to the right cause. We have to make sure that it's not going to pay some directors' uh, uh, vacations or uh, a per diem when, when you know when they're when they're going to meet other highbrowed people. You know, that's not where we want to spend our money. We want the money, the, the majority of the money that we give, to go to the actual cause we want to give it to. Uh, and we don't just say that, uh, oh, we'll give it and let's not worry about it. Okay, now, let's say we have an, a, a perfect situation of, of charity. We have someone who's poor and they really have a need. Someone in the community lost their job. You want to help them. But that person has pride. And they don't, they don't want to accept charity. They don't want your charity. What do you do? So Maimonides says, We trick him by telling him it's a loan or it's a gift. We trick him. We convince him, say this is not this is not a, this is not charity. This is a loan. This is a gift. As a great story, my grandfather said, um, that happened when he was in yeshiva in 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 Poland, so he says that there were two two friends who were also study partners and they were even roommates and one of them was from a very affluent background and the other one was destitute was was so poor it was he really needed charity so uh, friend a who was who was from a more well to do background he wanted a Help, he wanted to help his friend, but he knew that he would never just accept charity. So he devised the scheme as follows. I heard the story several times from my grandfather, I still hear it ringing in my ears. He uh, he decided that he's going to um, put on a face of melancholy, uh, and he's sad, and he's morose, and he's all down. And a few days, he's he's playing up this 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 depressed persona. And his other friend, the less well-to-do one, he, he sees him and he tells him, what's wrong? I see you, you know, we're studying together and you seem so down. You seem so sad. You seem so disheartened. What What's the matter? And he tells him, oh, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. It's so terrible. I can't tell you. He's like, tell me. I want to help you. So he tells him, okay, I'll tell you. Um, back in the town that I live uh, there was an old man and the old man was you know was old. <laughs> the old man was old I know that sounds weird uh, apologize for that. The old man was uh, alone and he is by himself and I I would I would go tend to him and I would I would talk to him I'd go play checkers with him I'd take him to synagogue. I, I tended to him because there was no one else for him and then he died. And he left me. Uh, he left me all his. All, all his uh, he left me a, a, a fairly decent sized inheritance, and I don't know what to do with the money. And I, I can't. I can't study Torah. I can't. I can't sleep. I can I, I have no idea. I, if only someone would take this money off my hands. I don't know what to do with it. So the guy says, "Really? I'll take it from you." So the other guy says, "Really? You have no idea. You saved me. You saved me." That's the punchline. This is a true story. Uh, and it says, that's the ideal. Where not only do you make the guy, you don't make him feel bad, you make him feel great, as if he helped you. That is an act of kindness, an unparalleled act of kindness. Where the guy doesn't, you don't make the guy feel bad, you make him feel great about it. I had a, for so, for some time I thought that maybe my grandfather was one of the people, was, was the person involved. And later on I found out it was someone else. But either way, um, to me, this is a first-hand account of how it's still possible, you know, to be great uh, nowadays. You know, greatness is not beyond us. Uh, it's remarkable, you know. It's but we could do that as well. However, it takes some thought and some and some and some uh, and some calculation and planning. But we too could fulfill the mitzvah of tzedakah, charity, uh, possibly in its ideal sense. Now, I want to run through here. Uh, Maimonides has a, a very interesting breakdown of of how. Uh, how we give charity and what's the ideal way to give charity. He he breaks down to eight levels of charity. I want to read you guys uh, real quickly uh, these eight levels of charity. The highest level of charity. There's no higher level. That is someone who gives his friend a gift or a loan or does with him a partnership or finds him a job. What he's telling us is like this. Charity means fulfilling a need in someone else. That's what charity is. It's possible for me to do the highest level of charity if I don't spend a dime. How so? By helping someone find a job. How so? By partnering with someone on a business venture. That is the highest level of charity. Or lending them money. Because I'm supporting him, and he doesn't feel bad about it. He feels good about it. He doesn't feel like he like 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 he like he received like he's a, like he's a you know some sort of a vagabond that has to take uh, handouts. He feels great about himself. That is the highest level of charity. So think about that. Can we do charity still? We see people who need help with job placement. See people that need help uh, um, honing your craft. There's so many opportunities for us. And that's the highest level of charity. What's that? Oh, okay, what's the next one? Next level of charity? Someone who gives charity to poor people and he doesn't know who he's giving to and the person does not know who he's receiving from. Uh, he gives an example. He says, if you give money to a charitable fund and that fund dispenses the money to to poor people, Well, then you're doing this level of charity. You're giving money secretly, clandestinely, so to speak. No one knows that you're the giver, and no one knows who the the receiver, the the recipient doesn't know who doesn't know who is the uh, who is the person who receives who 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 was the benefactor. That's also a very high level of of charity. Okay, that's that's level two. What's level three? That you know who you're giving to. But the poor person doesn't know who he received from, so he said that it used to be back in the day that the um, the righteous people would give charity by dropping envelopes under their door, so to speak, proverbial envelopes, and the poor person would open the door and find money there, and you know, so you know who you're giving to, but they don't know who you're getting from. There's a great uh, there's a great story uh, with the Michael of the miser. There's this guy, Misha, who was the wealthiest guy in town. Uh, but he was a miser. And everyone who would come to him, they would say, you know, every, every poor person in town would come to him. He was the wealthiest guy. And they would ask him for for money. And they would tell him their whole story. And he would be really nice to them at the beginning. And then afterwards, he would say, Get out of my house! I'm not giving you anything! And everyone looked down at him. was a terrible guy. So wealthy, but so cheap. And then when he died... They they had to scrape together a minion, ten people to go there to be by to you know to be by his by his burial, and then a week later, everyone comes to the rabbi and the guy says to the rabbi the woman says the widow says to the rabbi, I have no food says well how do you survive how do you survive till now well I got an envelope in the mail every every every, every erev Shabbos every day before Shabbos I got an envelope in the mail, you know and then everyone everyone every person every person said well I went to of the miser. And he didn't give me anything, but, I, but then, miraculously, I started getting these letters under my door, slipped under my door. And then I will realize that this guy was the great, uh, was the great, uh, great uh, benefactor of, of, of the entire community. But that is a very high level of charity, where you do not uh, expose yourself to the person whom you're helping, whom you're benefiting, and therefore they don't feel like they're beholden to you. That's the third level of, of charity. The fourth level of charity is where the poor person knows who he's getting from, uh, but the giver does not know who he's giving to. Uh, he gives another example here, my does, that people used to, uh, they would walk into poor parts of town and they would just drop money behind them, like this, just behind their back. And they, they don't know who's going to pick it up. They just drop money like that behind their back. Uh, so they accept it without being embarrassed and... The next level of charity is where someone gives to the poor person before he asks. The next level is where he gives to the person after he asks. The seventh level is where he gives him less than he needs, but he gives him at least with a warm smile, with encouragement, uh, with consolation. And the lowest level of charity is that you give it to them, but with scorn where you give it to them and you're upset and you say oh I don't know why I'm giving this to you but I'll give it to you anyhow right you give it to them and make him feel bad about it so terrible is that form of charity that Maimonides writes that it sometimes is better off to not give charity if you can give charity that way when you give charity and you give it with a you know with a sullen face right as if you're terribly uh, uh, disappointed that you have to give charity the merit is outweighed. By the uh, by the by the drawback uh, um, of, of of giving it in in such a fashion, so we see the best way to give charity uh, is by helping people and not making them feel bad, fulfilling their need without making them feel bad, and progressively or regressively it gets worse where you. Know the person; the person knows you. You give them less, and the worst thing is to give charity and not be excited about it. And you know what? We have so many; we have so much of a reason to be excited about our charity, because we see charity will make us wealthy. We're not going to lose the money. We have so many other good things about charity that should encourage us uh, to give charity uh, with with happiness, with delight, and with encouragement as well. I want to finish off here uh, with another slightly related uh, Talmudic statement as follows. And I think that this this Talmud will is a tool that we could use. And we'll, we'll see exactly how in a second. So, if I were to ask you, what is the purest motivation someone could have when they give charity? What, what's the purest motivation that someone could possibly have? You would say, well, to give it for, for altruistic purposes, not for what you could potentially gain. Right? And you know you heard my rant about this. You want to? It's about giving, not about getting. Okay. We find in the Talmud as follows: If someone pledges to give a gold coin to charity in order that, in the merit of the mitzvah, their child will be healed from illness, says the Talmud, this person is a completely perfect and righteous tzaddik. Should I repeat that? I'll repeat it one more time. If someone pledges to give money to charity in order that in the merit of the mitzvah of giving charity their child will be healed from illness, that person is a complete and perfect and righteous tzaddik. And the question is obvious. Isn't it better to give charity without any ulterior motives? Isn't it better to give it altruistically just for the need of the charity? Why is it so great? What's what's this great element of, of righteousness that someone has when they give it with the intention that in the merit of their charity, the child will be healed. So I want to share with you guys an idea here, a very powerful thought. We find elsewhere in the Talmud that uh, a person should always incite his Yetzer Tov on his Yetzer Ra. Now, what does Yetzir Tov and Yetzirah mean? Yetzir Tov means your good inclination. Yetzirah means your bad inclination. Simply put, your good inclination wants to compel you to do mitzvahs. Your bad inclination wants to compel you to not do mitzvahs. Says the Talmud, you should incite your or Tov on your Yetzirah. What does that mean? Our chief problem in life... The number one problem that we have in life is that the various interests that we have are not aligned. We have a body and a soul. They each have agenda, and they're not the same thing. That's why we're tormented internally. That's why we have free will, because our interests are not aligned. For example, my body says sin. My soul says, or my consciousness says, well, maybe not. Uh, uh, More, I guess... uh, Secular example, you know, my soul says, let's be responsible about what we eat. You know, let's eat healthy. And my body says, "Uh, you know what, I really, I'm craving that cheesecake. That's a classic example of a misalignment of body and soul. Now, our success and failure in life is how we're going to navigate this problem. Obviously, this this makes a lot of sense. This is a lot of big picture stuff we've discussed uh, at length. Says the Talmud. One of the best ways to do this is to incite the Yetzer Tov and the Yetzer What does that mean? You have to try to create a way that even your Yetzer even your evil inclination, wants you to do a mitzvah. Let's try to explain this in, 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 in some terms that we understand. Our soul wants to use our money for charity. Our body says, I want to be tight-fisted with every dollar. That is the conflict that lies at the equation of charity. It's a classic body-soul conflict. Our Yaita Tov says, give charity, right? be generous, give as much uh, as you can, be happy about it. Our Yetzirah says, I don't know, man. There are other people who could give, or I gave already so much last year, etc. etc. How do we get that these two interests are aligned? How do we get our body and soul on the same on the same boat? You know how we do that? We hinge the charity in something else. We say, I'm giving charity so that my child has success. I give charity so that my child has uh, uh uh is saved from from an illness I give charity so I'll be wealthy whose body doesn't want to be wealthy everyone's body wants to be wealthy is that right no well I, most people right so my body wants to be wealthy my soul wants to give charity you know how we do how we make everyone happy we give charity so we'll become wealthy everyone wins my body my body wants uh, does not need to be convinced that the child, uh, that I love the child. So, you know what I'll do? I'll say, I'll give charity so my child becomes healthy. And then my body wants to give charity, my soul wants to give charity. A complete tzaddik is someone who uses these tactics to achieve what the agenda of the soul is. The soul wants us to give charity, the body says, no. You recognize that that's the conflict and you find a way to make the body happy. You find a way to come up with some tactic to make sure the body is is also going to partake in this mitzvah uh, completely. That is what defines a tzaddik. That is the righteous person. Someone who uses strategies and tactics to achieve the agenda of the soul. So I think that this is a good tool that we can use with our charity. We say, hey, listen... Talmud says that someone gives charity to save themselves from death. Talmud says that someone gives charity, save themselves uh, from Gehenna. In fact, the verse says tzedakah, tzedakah saves from death. The Torah pledges someone gives charity, gets wealthy. Well, who doesn't want to be spared from death, spared from Gehenna and spared and, and, and achieve wealth? Everyone does that. Well, okay. This is a nice way to get our body involved, to get our body on board. This is a tactic that we could use to say, let us give charity and our body will be happy with that as well. And I want to point out here, I want to, if someone's body wants recognition and that recognition will be fulfilled by putting their name on a building, go ahead. Say, I will sponsor a new building for the synagogue or for the school or for the yeshiva and I want my name on the, on, the, on the building. But everyone's happy. Soul's happy, body's happy. With charity, but also with other areas of our lives, we could use this very effective tactic to get what needs to be done from our soul's perspective done. You know, we spoke last time about Lashon Hara. And uh, by a show of hands, uh, who has either bought the book that I uh, told you guys to buy. Oh, I see one hand there in the back. I see two hands. Excellent. Uh, But, or had a greater sensitivity to what they're saying, you know, to their speech. Um, There we go. So we have a whole list of hands there. Now, there, this is an example, once in a classic example of body-soul conflict. Your body wants the gossip. Your soul says, no, we saw how your speech is so critical to your greatness. So what are you going to do? Now, let's say I told you like this. Every time, let's say, let's say I made a pledge. Right? Let's say I commit to pay a $100 fine. Every time, I, uh, I speak Lashon Let's say you did that. What are you doing? You are aligning your interests in life. You're taking what the soul wants to not speak Lashon and making sure the body wants that as well because the body doesn't want to lose that $100. If you do that, behold, you're a complete tzaddik, says the Talmud. Because you are taking... You're navigating this problem that we have in life, this conflict that we have in life, and you're coming up with a tremendous solution. You're making sure your body and soul are aligned in in achieving the soul's agenda. I'm not saying to do it, but I'm saying if you would do it, you are dipping your toe in the waters of a complete tzaddik. So that's a tool that we can use to achieve... uh, our, our goals in not only this area, but other areas as well. The Talmud did find the need to give us this example. Uh, we know that many, many, many charities have employed similar examples by saying, donate to the charity, and then you'll have your name on a donor wall. Donate to charity, and then you'll get a mention in the mishaberachs." donate the charity we will have your name the building etc those are okay right? provided that you're actually still giving provided you're doing what the soul wants as well doing the art the art museum thing that that's 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 bad because your soul doesn't even want that <laughs> that's not aligning the interests of your of, of your body and the soul your soul doesn't want to have a piece of canvas languishing in a cellar that's not what your soul wants so that's that that's a tactic that we can use um I encourage everyone to try, try God. You know, it's not often that we have this opportunity to test out God. I think it's very empowering. Uh, it's not easy, of course, it's not easy. But I think it's something that our soul definitely wants. And try to give um, uh, 10 percent of our of our of our money to charity. Now, there is a maximum. And that's twenty percent. Thomas says should, someone should give more, should not give more than twenty percent, unless they're enormously wealthy, right? Then the, you know, then then, then 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 they ought to. But for most people, uh, between 20, 10 and twenty percent is what they should give to charity. And we have a promise from the Torah, from the Talmud, that makes it clear that we won't lose. we Will gain. we Will become wealthy. Uh, and that's I think uh, something that we should investigate. Uh, it's something that, uh, you know, I, I think it'll make us wealthy, you know. Uh, this is just a, this whole discussion has been a get rich Twitch seminar. You know, that's what it is. Uh, now, how would you do that? You would, I don't know, maybe make a, every time you get a paycheck, cut 10% of that and put it in a separate account, and that's your charity account. Um, and then you dispense it uh, as needed, uh, you could use it to lend money. We said that's a great mitzvah. Go ahead. Go ahead. It, isn't it though? Isn't uh, the Talmud discuss about after taxes? Yes. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. so I mentioned this earlier. No. After taxes, of course. Yeah, don't yeah. The the after tax. Uh, uh, that's the income that uh, that you want to. Uh, that's what you. That's the take home income um, that you want to give charity on. Is there? I saw a question in there in the back. Turn the microphone. Uh, When you first started, you said the passage of if you give charity, and I will pour out all these blessings or riches on you. Did you tell me what I can raise? Ah, yes. That is a verse. One second. I'm looking for it. Here are my notes. One second. Um, you guys still see me there? I had it written down here somewhere. Yeah, you're still there. I just put you on. Okay. Okay. I have to find it over here. It's it's in the Talmud. The Talmud quotes it in Thinus, uh nine a. Um, I don't have it right now with me, but I could get it. Uh, um. I'll get it to you guys. I'll send you guys an email. How's that sound? I'll send it to Dan. Dan, I'll uh, post it in the email. Post it in the email. Yeah, I'll uh, send out my kids email. Great. Yeah, but it's uh, pretty much so it's in, in, in the book of Taanit or Tainus in a nine a. That's where it brings the whole narrative of, of Rabbi Yochanan and his nephew when he he said to them, uh, "Give charity. Give ten percent of your money so that you become you become wealthy." Uh, so that's that, guys. Any more questions there? I would like you to address the issue of tithing. Oh, Janet! I didn't see you. So, so we've been sort of debating, but isn't uh, tithing is not sudaka. she thinks tithing is uh, her, her point is that t- t- tithing is the amount of sadaqa, correct? Yeah okay, so, yeah. okay. So. Yes. Yes. Tithing is the amount. Okay, now, is the amount. Okay. now. In. Uh, strictly speaking, uh, when it says tithing in the Torah, it's talking about agricultural tithings. Uh, so um, it says that when you have uh, in the times of the Talmud, in times of the Temple, there were there was a seven year cycle. Uh, people were agricultural. Uh, seven year cycle. Uh, the, there were two tithings, ten percent each. Ten uh, percent was called uh, the first and second years is meiser Rishon and Shani, means first and second tithing. First tithing goes to the levy, Second tithing goes to yourself essentially, but you have to bring it to Jerusalem, and eat in Jerusalem. The third year is the tithing for the poor people. Um, and and uh, uh, so that's strictly from a from a from a scriptural uh, um, perspective. The word tithing typically, no, not not always, but typically refers to tithing of agricultural crops. Uh, however, Jacob mentions tithing. That's not that that's that's more of a, of a of a of a inclusive tithing, which is everything. He says, "Everything that I get, I will give ten percent," which means any profits. Uh, and certainly, um, in in the in the Talmud and in the commentaries, they take the term tithing as ten percent of any profit, whatever that profit may be. You could be selling. Services or products or uh, digital products or whatever that may be will be included under the form of tithing, wherein you ought to give ten percent of your money to charity. Does that sufficiently answer the question, Janet? That was, there was a no. No. What's the no. question, though? Um, it was a long time ago, but we had this. And there was a difference between what you were supposed to give to a synagogue and what you could give outside the synagogue. I distinctly remember the conversation, but I'm obviously not languaging it to where your memory is being jogged. Oh, we had this, you and I had this conversation? You and I had this conversation? We had the conversation here in class. Huh. Huh. I don't remember that conversation. Conversation? But, like we mentioned, someone ought to give charity to the areas that they are closest to. So you have a greater responsibility to give to your synagogue than to give to someone else's synagogue. Um, However, where you allocate your charity funds is your choice. Um, You ought to give it to those that are either most in need or most closest to you. So, someone in your family, someone that you have the greatest responsibility towards, thus you have the greatest need to give charity to them. Uh, someone in your community, you have a greater responsibility. Someone in your city, uh, you know, I've, that's someone that you would have to prioritize in your charity. But someone, every individual has their capacity to make their own charitable char, charitable decisions, um, and. That that's why I said it's important for you to make sure that your decisions that you make, uh, the charities that you that you designate, are ones that are indeed using the money towards what you want them to use it for, because your mitzvah is to ensure that your money goes to the either a worthy or uh, hopefully the most worthy cause that you could possibly give it to. Um, so we already talked about the different the different uh, examples and the different levels of prioritization that Maimonides and the Halakha brings. Uh, but it's your say and um, your responsibilities primarily to those that, are cl- that, that you are closest to. Um, but if someone wants to support uh, the community in Israel prim- as their primary source of, of charity, I think that they, they could do that. Freely, I, uh, you know, if they if they would so desire. um, You know, did I yet sufficiently answer the question, Janet? Under no obligation whatsoever to tithe. We are only under an obligation for Sadaka. Am no, no, I clear? No. So Tithing just means 10%. 10%. Sadaka's 1%. charity. Tithe is master, the same thing. Tithing is the percentage of stock you're giving. That's right. They're not two separate <clears throat> Tithing and sadaka are the same thing. And you can 10% give it so to whomever, to everyone. And, and really, if you're giving, you give to a synagogue, and if you if you're getting some benefit back, it doesn't. I'd rather just subtract out that amount and whatever you're giving over and above that, because you're receiving something if you can come here and use the services. It's, synagogue it's, membership it's, it's, is deducted from your from your charitable uh, money. Oh, no, please. I'd rather stay with you guys. When I'm finished with you guys, i got to take care of kids and all that. <laughs> look, we don't want to hold you up for that. All right, Rabbi, thank you very much. We okay, guys, thanks now. a lot. I look forward to seeing you live next week. This was a lot of fun as usual. Uh, and, uh, yes, it's... Um, I'm gonna, I hope to make some changes to how I allocate my charity and kind of the seriousness in which I treat it because when I investigated this, it became, you know, it's, it's striking like how important it is and how wonderful it is and how happy we, we could be that we have an opportunity to elicit God's mercy. And that's just such an empowering thought. And how we could be wealthy, and I'll be honest with you guys, it's not something that I would mind that much. <laughs> uh, it's not something that I uh, that I want to disavow myself from. Um, so I'm, I'm, I, you know, and I encourage everyone to to take a good lone, hard look uh, on on this ear of their lives, and not to feel bad. It's not we're not just we're not just saying, oh, uh, you know, we have charitable organizations, and you know, torch only lives on charitable donations, and therefore the rabbi is just trying to. Uh, uh, a mass, uh, a, a big uh, uh, you know that, that, that's not it and, and I specifically didn't want to talk about you know, because that's the, I want to tell you what the Torah says, and that's what the Torah says. Um, but it's something that it's we don't have to feel like we're like like this is a tax. you know sometimes you feel in life that there's some things that you have to give and you gain nothing or or nothing directly from that. And it's just one of those things in life that you have to do and you do it with, you know, with a grumpy attitude. It's something you can do delighted. Be, be, let's be happy that we have this opportunity to give charity, to support Torah, to support the Jewish community, to help those that are less fortunate, to inspire and arouse God's mercy to us, to get wealthy. We can have it all. We can have it all. So that's that, guys. I want to encourage everyone to, uh, to take this opportunity to strengthen this era of lives. And I look forward to seeing each and every one of you guys next week. Uh, and it's it was wonderful, and uh, and I hope you guys have a wonderful week. It's your rabbi. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. okay. Bye bye. Bye.